Yeah, baby. This is Vocab Alone. I'm normally on Urban Theologian Radio, and our background music is a little bit different. It's more like, you know, hip-hop beats. Uh, but that's all right. Tom has invited me in. It's his house, so he can play his music he wants. That's all right. And I am chilling in at 1360 KPXQ Fate Talk Studio with my main man, Jay Miles. What's up? What up, vocab? Today on Koinonia, man, I'm excited. We're going to give people three good reasons why they should study black church history. So let's just get right into it, man. Yep. Reason number one. What is it, Jay Miles? To glorify God and his providence. To glorify God and his providence. Now, I'm going to let you bat lead off every time. So that means you go first. What cool. do, why do we put that down? What's that cool. mean? Yeah, man. Uh, when we think about black church history, um, just with history in general, we get to look at how God has faithfully just walked with and led his people throughout throughout history. And so, um, you know, studying black church history is something that's not talked about as often as other different types of history and other different forms of history. And so um, it's always a pleasure and a good thing to know the history of uh of how God has used um, men that happen to be black in, within a, the American context and um, just knowing those different things. So just seeing God's providence over those things because God is never separated from human events and um, he's sovereign over all those things. And that, as we look at history, we should be able to glorify him in, in that. In that. And um, it's interesting because a lot of the Bible is narrative. Right. And so the Bible even presents to us how God functions in the midst of his people and how he leads them and how he's always faithful to them. So, yeah, like think about the book of Ruth, absolutely. which kind of mentions God very little as far as explicit mention. It's not dosing you with heavy theology per se in a you know surface level sense. It's all there. But God is clearly guiding the events all along the path, and is Absolutely. clearly uh, walking with Ruth and Naomi. Absolutely. And it's just a snapshot of really some common Israelites, and not even just Israelites, but some faithful people to the Lord, and it just shows that his hand is with them. Absolutely. And that's kind of what we mean when we say providence. We're talking about uh, God's good guiding hand. And the believer, I think, should be interested in being an investigator like an archaeologist digging through the rummages of history to see what they can uncover and finding new gems and discoveries of how God has worked for his people in history because he is working. Absolutely, and it should lead us to worship him as a result. Jesus said he'll build his church, and he's never reneged on that promise. Let me give you a little a, little, a taste of a poem written by Phyllis Wheatley. Um, she died relatively young, but a great poet. I mean, she was sold into slavery directly from West Africa. She was raised in Boston. She was taught to read, not just read, though, Greek and Latin and became really well-versed in the classics. She was the first black woman to publish a book. And her poems even have a tribute to George Whitfield, the famous Calvinist revivalist from the First Great Awakening. She also wrote on the cruelty of slavery, and she wrote about God's providence. She wrote this one. I'm about to give you a snippet. When she was 14 years old, it's called... Mm -hmm. On being brought from Africa to America. Now, before I read it, let me say, she is not saying in this poem, if you read it, that slavery was good. We got to read this with a Genesis 50-20 verse in mind, where Joseph says to his brothers in regards to his own being sold into slavery, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And it's that same intentionality there, isn't it? But let me let me let me read this now because this makes me glorify God when I see God's providence as I study church history and especially when I see black church history. Here you go. Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught my benighted soul to understand 
But there's a God, there's a Savior too. One side, redemption, neither sought nor knew. And she has another line in there where she says, she uses the old word, she says, Negroes can join the angelic train, is the way she puts it. Wow. It's just a, a beautiful way, and I was like, yo, she wrote that when she was 14, too. Wow. You know? Yeah. And there's other examples, because try to imagine yourself being kidnapped, by the way, which in the Old Testament is a crime worthy of death, and in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 1, Paul says that kidnapping is on equal footing with people that beat their parents and murder but right there it is in the Old and the New Testament. Kidnapping is not okay, guys. But imagine being snatched out of where you grew up, brought over, in some cases introduced to a new religion, a new belief system, and through the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit, still being able to see through the hypocrisy and embrace mm. the Lord of all. That's a beautiful thing. That's an amazing thing. I mean, I'm curious, J. Miles, let me ask you this. I don't know what the answer is. Has anyone ever tripped that the name of your album is Slave Trade? <laughs> yeah. What do they say? Yeah, I've had I've had some African Americans uh actually ask me about that and say I had one lady say uh you know black people won't like that. Um <laughs> and just having to define what I mean by that that um you know slavery in and of itself being subject to Jesus' lordship isn't a bad thing. You know, but um slavery as we understand it as Americans because of like we can import our American understanding of what that looks like, right? Rather than embracing it when it says, "Guess what?" When it comes to Jesus, though, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Mm-hmm. I want to subject myself to Him as my Lord. Right. So, um, yeah, man, I have had a few people um, challenge me on that, but it's always a good conversation, and it's always good to be challenged and to be able to walk through what I mean by that. And mm-hmm. I mean, the scriptures speak to it, so. We definitely want to. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And we just want to, you know, work through the nuances of the term. Because um, we were slaves to sin, absolutely. And it's sort of like that, uh, you know, bumper sticker says. I mean, bumper stickers. How much can you do with them? But it says, "My boss is a Jewish carpenter." That's a little cheesy, yes, but it kind of gets <laughs> at the idea of our master, our Lord, is Jesus. Absolutely. And so that's something that uh, is a biblical notion. In fact, John MacArthur, who preaches on the station, has a book called Slave. You read that book? Is that where you got have, the idea from? I have a little read bit? that book. Um, that book informed a lot of what mm-hmm. I was, um, a lot of what's on the album. Uh, the church that I'm at, Grace Bible Church, we actually did a sermon series on Romans chapter six back in 2009, 2010ish, I believe. And uh, we just walked through that passage, and when it talks about, guess what? We were slaves to sin. Now we're slaves to the Lord Jesus, and just the beauty of that. We should move move and press into that reality rather than running from it. So, Yo, yeah, man. what do you guys think when we come back from our next break? you think we should make J. Miles kick one of his verses a cappella from his Slave Trade album? Because you got a song about it. I mean, maybe it's fitting. We'll see. It's a different type of thing, but, but uh, it's important because it shows that it's more damaging to be in bondage spiritually, and it's eternal with that state. Although, just like the word says, if you could get your freedom in a physical sense, go ahead and get it, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Absolutely. Now, flipping over, number one, let's go to number two. Reason number one was to glorify God in his providence. Reason number two is why you should study black church history, uh, church history is to grow in your affection for God's people, to grow in your affection or love for God's people. What do you think about that one? Yeah, man. Um, I think this is a huge one because uh, as individual believers, the Bible calls us to be a part of local communities because local communities are expressing the reality that God is doing something globally. 
Um, Hold on, I, that sounds good, but can you tell me what you mean by you just did a global, local, and that's <laughs> good, and universal, But because that was ecclesiology right there, folks. Ecclesiology is the doctrine of the church, and that's what we're getting at really with reason number two. Because uh, we want to start with God. We're going to glorify him for his providence as we study black church history. But we're also going to look at what he's been doing for his people as he works. And this will help us grow in our affection for them. But what did you mean? Can you do that again? Break it down more about what the church is and all that. Yeah. So uh, God, the scriptures are clear that God is saving our people for himself. And he's going to do it from every single tribe, tongue, and nation. Revelation 5 says so. That's who will be singing the songs to the Lamb. Acts 2 gives us a little picture of that. Yep. So they're going to be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, which encompasses the global ramifications. Right, of, to the ends of the earth, yep. Acts 1-8. Yep. yep, okay. Sorry so, to interrupt you, man. It's just all these passages pop yeah, into mind, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, with that being the case, we don't all come together globally to worship Jesus yet. Right, we, yet. We do it now in local communities. Okay. And so the expression of what God is doing globally happens locally. Right. It happens in smaller contexts, which is why we have so many different churches in various cities and across the world and across this country specifically. So um, it's important for us to be plugged into local communities because there we find that we actually grow in our love for God's people as we do life because God is not calling anybody to be renegade, a renegade Christian yeah. living life on their own. Um, because there's so many different commands, even in Scripture, and different things that God is calling us to that requires multiple one believers. another, all absolutely those one another's in Scripture, all the one another's, absolutely. So, um, go ahead. So, do you think that we do that in community now? But there's also a sense, and we can reach back into the past and see brothers and sisters in the past as well, and look at them in a sense, as part of the great cloud of witnesses the Hebrews talks about, in the sense that they went before us, in the sense that some of them died as martyrs, in the sense that they're teachers who God has gifted to the church and we can still read their writings, and we grow in love and affection for them as brothers and sisters as we study, for example, black church history, which yeah. a lot of times, here's the thing, though, here's the part of the problem is a lot of times we don't know them. That's why some of you are like, okay, well, this sounds good. Why black church history? Look, it is Black History Month. Uh, some people don't like that idea. Some do. That's kind of a different discussion. But even if you say, and I don't really know about that notion of Black History Month. Okay, okay. Yep. We're not even going to do that right now. But look, brother and sister, if you're a Christian and you're listening to me, you've got to care about church history. Because you've got to care about what the Lord has been doing redemptively, how he's been working out his purposes. And guess what? Part of church history is a group of people who a long time ago, a lot of them got snatched over from different parts of Africa and then came to America and they became Christians and now they're still here with us. You see what I'm saying? So part of church history is black church history. That's what we're focusing in on. So, But how do we grow in our love and affection as we study black church history, Josh? Yeah, um, I think it connects back to point one. You see God's providence mm -hmm. with his people. Um, it's interesting. I was reading the Psalms the other day and there's a verse that says, guess what? Tell the coming generations of the Lord's faithfulness. And so yeah. just to even understand that, you have to know what the history says right. pertaining, pertaining to a certain group of people. And so um, with that being the case, guess what? We want to look at what has God been doing with his people, even of a, even when it's a people that's a, that make up a certain demographic that may be different than mine. Mm -hmm. um, because guess what? Since God is saving nations, mm -hmm. saving people from nations, I want to be aware of how he's saving them, how he has been saving them, how he is saving them, and how he may be using me to— 
go, you know, missions, um, go to another place of the world to see that happen. And that is going to get right into our third point, which I'll tell you what it is, and then we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. That last thing you said goes in perfectly, Jay, to be equipped for missions. That's reason number three why we should care about studying black church history. We're going to come right back, sitting in for Tom Brown, his vocab alone today on Koinonia. I'm in the studio with my main man, Jay Miles of I-65. We will see you in a second. Do not go anywhere.